You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Filter Free Podcast. I am your host, TJ Stevens. Well, problematic. Out of my left earbud. Getting off to a banging start here. Joining me, as always, Step Hens. Dollar Bill Day. I touch myself. I, I just need to clip that. Just Dave. <laughs> I touch myself. And Timmy C. Hey, goo, goo, goo. Dave's is awesome. And he got a new hat and a toy. <laughs> Are you drunk? Yes or no? And it's marked on the right-hand side for both. Time moment draws. Get my panties wet. I love it. We've covered this butt wipe on a few different occasions. Butt wipe? You don't call people butt wipe anymore? No. I'm not I'm not seven. Good news is I've limited the producer's amount to screw us over this, so we're actually going to get to sing along with the songs now. You are welcome. You gotta play for your right to party! Hello, and welcome to the Filter Free Podcast. I am your host, TJ Stevens. Joining me as always, Dollar Bill Dave. Stuff in my face. As per the usual, it wouldn't be a show without that. And Timmy C. So excited for 1986, baby. Nerd. Who collects okay. belts? Who collects belts? Can you see behind you? Who uh, who collects belts in this day? Come on age? now. I mean, you come on. Weirdo. Oh, yeah, that's right. Just call me Champ Champ. But I'm, oh I'm the only God. one with a ch- real championship belt. What? What, what championship is Super Bowl championship belt. Oh, sweet Christ. Boo! <sighs> Please remember to subscribe and rate this show wherever you get your podcast. While eat you're your at dinner it, while you do it. Go ahead and eat some dinner, some pizza chicken. While you're at it, follow the show on Twitter at FF Podcast, on our Instagram at Filter Free Podcast. Follow our Patreon at Filter Free Net on Twitter, and of course, watch on Premiere on Twitter for Premiere Stream. Never, we will get back to them in a minute. But Timmy, if they go to www, pronounce it correctly, patreon.com forward slash Filter Free, what's available to them? You will get Legends Let's Rethink This Past and Future episodes. I, I think we'll have a comeback this week with footballers getting paid with Tim and Dave. Mm. Yeah, we're had, recording that tomorrow. I had one one hell of a good weekend last weekend. Too bad I didn't in Vegas. I hit a 10-game parlay in college. Made $8. Uh, no, I made $590. Can I get a loan? I don't right. like you that much. Mm. Okay. You okay. will also get Evolution of Evil, Wrestling with Commercials, Plus our list of 2024 events, which is kicking off with the Royal Rumble in Tampa. Are you going to that? Me? Yeah. As long as, uh, all right, peek behind the curtain. Got my arm diagnosed. I ripped my bicep riding a mechanical bull. I'm waiting to get a CAT scan, and I'm, they're probably going to have to operate on my arm. Um, Nerve. We'll see. As long as I'm recovered, I'll be there. 
recovered. Why can't you just go? You proud of yourself? Because I'm going to have one of those casts that holds my arm like this. I don't want to. I'm going to throw Frisbees at it. I can't wait. Please yeah. come to that with that cast. I'll chop you. I'll just be like. You can't. You won't have the. You can't extend your elbow. You're just. Uh, I'll break my hip trying to chop you. I Even better. But also, our friends over at Premier Streaming Network, if you become a member over there, to their uh, subscription service at watchonpremier.com, my goodness, more content than you can shake a stick at, including Everybody's Got a Pod with Teddy Biasi, Rob Van Dam's here, Jesse McKay and Cassie Lee, Dave Sturchio and Josh Chernoff are both on like 39 shows. And then Bobby Fish, we've got the Dude Cast. We've got the Major Wrestling Figures podcast. The News, Sabu's here. Nick Houseman, of course, us. Bumming and, with Bobcat. And Bobcat Goldthwaite? Nope. Bumwine Bob. Bumwine Bob. Woo. And then, uh, of course, our good friend Efren. Who? Who? IRF B and Game Event. <laughs> We are trained professionals here. Thank that you. is Drew Blank. I, I just switched the tab back over. Also when, shooting blanks. When I saw our beautiful faces, I just drew a blank. I'm like, look how handsome. So what else is going on? Anything? Um, any, uh, you know, reports of people piping in crowd noise you guys want to discuss or anything like that? Oh, my God. It's so dumb. <laughs> it's so dumb. Who cares? Who I cares if they, they can pipe in? Nude pictures of me, I wouldn't care. Raw sewage, do it. It's right. Bigger cheers, you pipe in nudes of me. Maybe it could happen. Only in like it wouldn't be a cheer. That'd be the sound of vomit hitting the floor. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be like Chunk from the Goonies reenacting his movie theater scene. Do you you think Vince shows up? In the background says, he's got a puke. He's got a puke. The one-armed fatty, Dave just called With a Beagles tattoo (laughs) on his titty. Will y'all leave me? God. It's a a target (laughs) to chop mouth, TJ. Dude, you got a tattoo on your titty. We didn't do that. You did that. And then you showed us. I have nice titties. I can't help it. You getting Cincinnati Reds around your navel? Pretty, pretty. (laughs) That would be awesome. I might. Pretty soon, I'm only gonna have one nice titty, and then the the, the bearcat Paul Orndorff titty here in a minute. The 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 Paul the the Cincinnati Bearcats bear claw for a tramp stamp. You can just Cincinnati it all the way up. I've got it on the head of my dick. Ew, Rawr. I don't believe you. Show me cat scratch me. <laughs> this guy. I, this doesn't have a zoom lens. Mine does. Well, mail it to me. Next week. I think I, I even have a remote for it somewhere. Oh, it's right here. See, watch this. We're professionals here. Yeah, you like Yeah, it. we're professionals as Dave is choking his chicken. <gasps> Quite literally. Quiet. Mine is my zoom's quiet. Watch. <laughs> <laughs> well, are you guys are y'all ready to start the show? I am excited. For the year we are going back to. I'm always ready. Are you sure? Yeah. Here we go. Because this week, we're going back to 
reasonable. October Let's 4th. See how ready we are. Ni- 1986. As re- no, we're not ready at all. <laughs> ready. As we relive some <laughs> WWF Saturday night's main event. Orndorf versus Hogan. That's what we're going to be watching. However, before we get to that show, let's see what was happening in your world yesterday. Let's run through some events. Filter free up first stories that missed the cut. October 2nd. There it is. We did it. Dwight Good to the New York Mets becomes the first pitcher to record 200 strikeouts in each of his first three seasons as he gets seven Ks in an 8-2 win over the Pirates. Cocaine. Oh, lots. Copious amounts. Copious amounts of cocaine. October 3rd, the Orioles... And they beat the Pirates. Everyone does. October 3rd, the Orioles lose to the Tigers 6-4, clinching the bottom of the AL East for the O's the first time in team history. Plenty more to follow that one. Absolutely. Oh, wait, they, find, they find the bottom more than Efren. Oh, what? I, I forgot to do Ooh. this. There we go. October 4th, Dave Rigetti of the Yankees closes both games of a doubleheader at Fenway, recording saves number 45 and 46, a record at the time. Spaghetti Rigetti. Sorry, I got thirsty. October 7th. Stevie Y, Steve Yeiserman of the Detroit Red Wings, is named the team's captain, a title he held for the next 16 seasons. What'd you call him? Stevie Y. No, the other one. It's Steve Yeiserman. It's just Yeiserman. There's no, it's not Yeiserman. Don't be a tool. October 8th, the rap group Run DMC calls for a day of peace amongst the street gangs of Los Angeles. It's tricky. That one, I mean, that. that one was... I, I, I kind of wish we would have done that one because that one's bizarre to me. Uh, I, I at least would have liked to know more about it. Well, it's weird because they're from New York City. Yes. I don't get it. And in 86, well, I guess 86 wasn't the weird, like, turf war in rap yet between the East Coast and West Coast. That was later. There was only, like, three rap groups. <laughs> there was no turf war. True. We're just happy to be here. October 9th, the late show with Boys, Run DMC. And NWA. Did you say the did you say That's the fat cute, boys? The fat boys. Yeah. <laughs> the late the show Beastie with boys. Oh, the Beastie Boys, yes. The late show with Joan Rivers debuts on Fox. The show was canceled after her firing in the in May of eighty seven, which we've actually covered, believe it or not. Long, long time, time ago, ago. I can I still, can still remember. remember Joan Rivers when she had a show. October 9th. I can still remember Joan Rivers before she died. It's also true. Phantom of the Opera premieres in London. The musical written by Andrew Lloyd Webber stuck around for 13,629 shows. And I knew if I had my chance, I'd get inside her pants. Joan Rivers or Phantom of the Opera? Phantom of the Opera was a guy. Yeah, Joan Rivers. Was Joan Rivers Phantom of the Opera? I, could have been. I would. I would have watched that one. Tim, would you eat it? Depends. <laughs> I have a dust allergy. I couldn't get down there. Oh, there's a string. <laughs> October twelfth. The California Angels get within one pitch of the AL pennant, but ultimately lose to the Red Sox. Three days later, the Red Sox and Mets both win their prospective pennants. More on this in a bit. Was that that uh, game that Frank Drebin umpired? Sure. I don't know who that is. Except for that was the Angels and the Mariners. It's the Naked Gun. Ah, uh, Naked. Naked Gun. Touche. 
How dare I? October 13th. What was his name? Enrique. Who? Frank, Frank Drebens. The umpire's oh. name was supposed to be. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Something very Hispanic that yeah. <laughs> Leslie Nielsen is not. <laughs> October 13th, Reba McIntyre wins big at the 20th Country Music Awards. Was also the night that the lights went out in Georgia. Look at you. Tonight they hung an innocent man. Oh. All that went on at the Country Music Awards? Yeah. She's fancy. Don't trust yourself to know backwood Southern lawyers. The Murdaws? Judge in town got bloodstains on his hand. No? October 13th, the IOC announces that baseball will make its Olympic Games debut in 1992. Didn't they kick it out shortly thereafter? Like... It's yeah. not there. It's not in the Olympics anymore. That's why they have the World Baseball Classic now. Yeah. No. October 15th. I haven't got to do this in a while. Yan T. Lee becomes the first Taiwanese Nobel Prize winner as he, Dudley R. Hirschbach, and John C. Polanyi are commended for their contributions concerning the dynamics of chemical elementary processes. He, he won a Taiwanese Nobel Prize? No, he's Taiwanese. TJ? Yeah. Get out. Get out. <laughs> And his I mean, name is his name is Juan, not Jan. If I leave the recording, bad things will happen. So I would not recommend that. October 16th, Keith Richards of the Rolling Stones organizes a concert to celebrate the 60th birthday of Chuck Berry, who I'm pretty sure we figured out was an asshole in St. Louis. Performing Marvin! For, yeah. Marvin, <laughs> Marvin Berry. Performances from these two, Eric Clapton, Etta James, and Linda Ronstadt all took place. Weird thing is Keith Richards was actually 68 here. Was that his real age? No. Because I he looked it. I wouldn't doubt it. He looks 168 now. Did you, did you see them at the Super Bowl? I actually felt sad a few years ago when they performed. What position did he play? Center. But, you know, Jagger still got it. He's, he's up and moving around. And I remember he walked to the back of the stage. And literally the other band members are just sitting in a chair. That's because that's all they can do. Ever tell you about the time I met Mick Jagger? Yeah. yeah that was Stephen Perry. No, Stephen Tyler. Stephen Tyler. Stephen Tyler. Moron. Same thing. Could, oh, get, right. Will you get off of Journey? T- Timmy has a moratorium on Stephen Perry. Should have been there. Oh, happy. Should have been there. Oh, Sherry. Why don't you have Journey on the show ever? Not one time. Not one time in two and a half years have you had Journey. Because he's too poor to travel. Okay. Too poor to Journey. I like that a lot. Anytime I do, I rip rip my arm off. That worked out very well. October 23rd, Game of Thrones Thrones actress Amelia Clark is born in London. She hot. Oh, she's gorgeous. Tell me she's not drop-dead gorgeous. She's gorgeous. I can tell you that. I haven't seen her. Uh, well, you're missing her boobies in Game of Thrones. Yeah, and you have a phone. Google her. No interest in Game of Thrones. No, Game of Thrones. was. I watched a couple of seasons, and then I was like, okay, this is stupid. I'm a quarter British. I don't need to know about all that shit. Well, you can well, still if, Google her picture. If you're a quarter British, she's a spot of tea. Good Indeed. Lord. Indeed. Yes. Titty Long thrones. live the Got queen. It. Titty Thrones. <laughs> I don't <laughs> Musician Drake is born in Toronto. Don't care. And is he like part owner of the Raptors now? I don't know. He's an idiot. 
Speaking of Britain, October 29th, British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher opens the final stretch of the London Orbital Motorway, or the M25. This becomes the world's longest ring road at 117 miles. And I knew if I had my chance, I could get inside her pants. Margaret Thatcher? And maybe she'd be happy for a while. She's gross, bro. <laughs> She's British. Ugh. God. You're bangers and mash down there. Stories <laughs> <laughs> so in the wheelhouse, October 5th. Eric Dickerson of the Los Angeles Rams runs for a 42-yard touchdown in overtime to lead the Rams over the Bucks, 26-20. to 20. Boom! <laughs> a then NFL overtime record. Of course, the story is barely about the specific achievement that we're going to cover. Can we and just talk a- about the Bucks losing for the next five minutes? That actually is what we're going to do, yes. We're going to cool. name all the players <laughs> on the Buccaneers and shame them one at a time. And it's really just a reason to talk about one of the greatest running backs of all time who doesn't really get his fair share, the great Eric Dickerson. Dickerson had one of the best running back careers ever, but sort of gets lost in the shuffle behind guys like Walter Payton, Emmett Smith, and even O.J. Simpson, definitely allegedly, and Adrian Peterson. Definitely allegedly a killer. Yes, that's... I don't think he gets stuck behind Adrian Peterson, though. You, think you don't think so? Yeah. Adrian Peterson was good for a couple years. He's He's not an all-timer. He's like the third all-time leading rusher. Yeah. He's he's no O.J. Simpson. He's no O.J. Simpson. That's true. He didn't, and he hasn't killed anybody that I know of. He's, he spanked his kid and got in trouble for that. He sure did. Well, I mean, it was pretty hard. Definitely, allegedly. Well, shouldn't have been misbehaving there. Yeah. <laughs> Coming out of high school in Sealy, Texas, his hometown, Dickerson was being, being highly recruited and even committed to Texas A&M. However, Dickerson never stepped foot on the Texas A&M campus as a student because he then chose SMU and that sweet, sweet Southern Methodist Texas money. His aunt talked him into SMU because she really liked coach Ron Meyer, and I'm sure she did after she got paid and got that new car and new house and all that stuff. I will leave the SMU recruiting scandal to my cohorts here and just focus on Dickerson. S&M. S&M. SMU. Oh. He would get drafted in the 1983 NFL draft, number two overall of the Rams. Even this was overshadowed because this was the draft where John Elway went to the Yankees instead of the Baltimore Colts. Pete Rozelle halted a trade that was in agreement that would have sent Howie Long to the Bears and possibly would have meant Dan Marino going to the Raiders. But, of course, Al Davis and Pete Rozelle hate each other. And Marino, Marino himself was under scrutiny for allegedly enjoying the devil's lettuce while at Pitt. That's weird. After originally committing to play for Texas A&M in college, Dickerson flipped his commitment and ultimately played for SMU along with fellow highly recruited running back Craig James. Ain't that the one that killed the hookers? Craig James may or not have killed five hookers. I remember covering the story <laughs> in like, five. In, like five. in like episode six, we were making jokes that there was lumps under the turf. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, Google Craig James killed five hookers. Those are the boobies that were the lumps. Field tits. Field tits. After after gaining 4,450 yards on 790 carries at SMU, breaking Earl Campbell's conference records, Dickerson was drafted second overall in the 1983 NFL draft by the LA Rams. After somebody is like, I think somebody just flipped my refrigerator downstairs. (laughs) 
After a remarkable rookie season that saw Dickerson establish rookie records for most rushing attempts, rushing yards, and most rushing touchdowns, Dickerson would go on to be named not only Rookie of the Year, but also Player of the Year and was an All-Pro and Pro Bowler. It would be weird if he won Player of the Year and wasn't All-Pro. Yeah. Dickerson would go on to finish his career rushing with 13,259 yards with an average of 4.4 yards per carry and 90 rushing touchdowns and was elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1999. I, I can't skip over this whole SMU thing. Let's go back. <laughs> <laughs> it's there. Dickerson was the subject of recruiting controversy when he started driving a new Pontiac Trans Am during his senior year of high school. Oh, I love those cars. Yeah. Do you think he wore the Smokey and the Bandit hat? Wait, was this a new one? An 86 trade? Oh, those were trash. 79 was the year. Well, it would have been, yeah, it would have been like 79 because that was when he was in high school. According to myth, Dickerson began driving the vehicle about the same time he committed to Texas A&M. When he signed with SMU, he purportedly stopped driving the vehicle because it, quote, had been destroyed by a vengeful Aggie. Dickerson still refuses to answer on whether or not he accepted anything to attend SMU, saying, even if I did take something, I wouldn't tell. Of course, everyone else took, but not Dickerson. Not the best running back in the world. Yeah, that one. That's, That's what he hot. drove. With the fire chicken. The fire chicken. That's a cock. <laughs> Google that, TJ. What, cock? On the cock? Dickerson later admitted in 2022 the Trans Am had been purchased by a family member who when, who then reimbursed by A&M boosters in an attempt to hide any improprieties that he later sold the car to an SMU teammate. I guess everyone got their cut out of that, that car. As Dave said, Dickerson gained 4,450 yards on 790 carries to break Earl Campbell's Southwest Conference record for yards and attempts. I can't wait to see some of these new Pac-2 records established next year. Pac-2? <laughs> Where it's just two teams in the conference. <laughs> Washington State and Oregon State every week. The Beavers and the Huskies. It's the best of seven series. Not the Huskies. The Cougars. Oh, the Cougars. That's right. By the way, this is what happens when you Google Firecock. Let's not. Oh! <laughs> oh, there's actually a cock on there. <laughs> I didn't even see that. Good job. <laughs> we just got kicked off of everything. Damn it. Because you keep posting penises. And Dave's muted, so there's that. Nothing like some good old gonorrhea. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's the city motto for Tampa, I think. Damn it. I just got to kick like off some of good old Hopefully nobody saw that. So um, we've been doing a lot of baseball lately for box score trivia. You guys ready to switch it up? Maybe. Head to the Gridiron, 1986 edition. But today, I'm the greatest of all time. With three, Winston's gonna run the ball. Makes the guy miss. Down there. Hit. Over the second rafter. Off the floor. Nothing but net. Through the window. Off the wall. Nothing but net. 
got it like that, right? Congratulations, Kirk Cousins, for beating the 49ers. Here we go. We are heading into the last week of October. Timmy, this is your last chance. I will be giving opportunities for bonus points in this round. Let's see if Timmy can pull this off. There, I cannot wait for some of these answers to come up. <laughs> it's phenomenal. Right now, Dave is in the lead, 28 to 13. Woo! Here we go. 1986 NFL league leaders. We're starting passing touchdowns. Dan Marino. John Elway. I'm removing Dan Marino because he led the league with 44, 19 ahead of number two. Warren Moon. So, Timmy, you started with? John Elway. John Elway. This is bullshit. With 19. Dave said Warren Moon. No. Phil Sims. Phil Sims tied for seventh with 21. There's two. Jim Kelly. Jim Kelly tied for fifth. Randall Cunningham. 22. No. Bernie Joe Montana. No to both. Steve Steve Young. No. Steve Perry. And I promise this is 86 this time. Boomer Esiason. Boomer Esiason tied for third with 24 of your Cincinnati Bengals. One more. What's the Jets guy? Kerry... Uh, Ken O'Brien. Ken O'Brien. There we go. Damn it. With 25. <laughs> if you would have got that, I might have gave you three just out of principle. Here's I, the rest okay, of your I got it. No, not you. Thank you. Thank Here's you. the rest of your top 10. Tied for ninth with Elway. Tony Eason of the New England Patriots. Tied for seventh with Phil Sims. Dave Craig of the Seattle ah, Seahawks. Damn him. Tied for fifth with Jim Kelly. Jay Schrader. Raiders. Not here. Washington. Not- Washington. Tied for third, but Boomer Esiason is Tommy Kramer of the Minnesota Vikings. Here we go. Kramer and Kramer. Kramer and Kramer. We're going rushing yards leaders. Ernest it, Byers. 1986. Let's do Eric four. Dickerson. Eric Dickerson. I, I'm removing him. We just did a story what? on him. This is fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Herschel Walker. Ernest Byer, no. Herschel Walker, no. James Walter Burke. Payton. Walter Payton, fifth with 1,000. 333. What'd you say, Timmy? James Brooks. My fave. Here we go. James Brooks. Eighth. 1,087. It only took two and a half years. James Brooks is on the board. Tampa Bay Buccaneer legend, James Wilder. No. Oh. Uh, Let's see. See if you can get. Let's see if you can get one more. These are pretty tough. I got one. I got one. Okay. Quarterback. Nope. But he was a running back, Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner, third, 1,481. Here's the rest of your top groceries here. James Jones of the Detroit Lions had 903. Ernest Jackson of the Pittsburgh Steelers had 910. Sorry, Ernest Jackson. (laughs) Then we got George Rogers, Gerald Riggs, Reuben Mays, Joe Morris, and, of course, Eric Dickerson led the league. 1,821. You know where we're going to go. We're going to end up with sacks here because I got a couple bonus questions. Reggie White. We'll do three. Reggie White, third with Lawrence 18. Taylor. Lawrence Taylor led the league with 20 and a half. Ronnie uh, Lott. No, sacks? Maybe. No. Never. 
He 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 was last in the league in fingers. With I'm not even sure that's true. He had a little bit more than Jason William Perry. William Refrigerator Perry, no. No. He was a defensive tat or defensive uh Steve injury. McMichael. A 700 pound one. Mongo. That's Mongo team. McMichael. No, there are Kevin no, Green. No Bears on this list. No Kevin Greens on this list. Uh, we got the Giants, the 49ers, the Seahawks. Ken Norton. No. The Chargers, the Broncos, the Cowboys. Junior Seau. Another six. Yes, another Charger, a Raider. Howie a Long. Howie Long. No. Did you say in a Mexican? A Redskin. Oh, same thing. <laughs> and he's not Mexican. Hmm. Redskin. Edward Martinez. Denny Martinez. <laughs> no, he ended Curry Puckett's career. Oh, man. Got two. Bruce Smith. One. Bruce Smith tied for fifth with 15. Here's the rest of your top 10, all tied for 10th. Leonard Marshall, Charles Haley, and Jacob oh, Green. Charles Haley. Ninth, Leslie O'Neill of the San Diego Chargers. Eighth of the Denver Broncos, Rulon Jones. Seventh, Jim Jeffcoat of the Dallas Cowboys. Jim Jeffcoat. Tied for fifth, Lee Williams of the San Diego Chargers. Fourth, friend of the show, Sean Jones of the Raiders. And second, from Washington, Dexter Manley had 18 and a half. He was quite manly. Uh, the other uh, defensive end opposite him on that team was called Charles Mann. Lee. Not making, I have his jersey. I'm not making it up. Here we go. Three bonus questions. Five points each. If you can name me, first question. Can you name me the offensive player of the year in 1986? Jim McMahon. No. <laughs> Walter Payton. No. Phil Simms. Eric Dickerson. No. Eric Dickerson. Wait a minute. Wasn't that in the story? No. Actually, I don't think it was. That was his rookie year. Yeah, this is 86. Uh, yeah, his rookie year was in 83, Dingleberry. Defensive Five play, player LT. of the year. LT. Lawrence Taylor. Okay, Lawrence Taylor. Timmy got that one. We both got it. Same time. No. And now... MVP, 1986. Herschel will, Walker. I will warn you, it is not an offensive player. LT. Lawrence Taylor. Dave just killing Timmy. Your end score for the month of October. I even gave Timmy a chance. I win. No. Nine times five. 48 for Dave. 21 for <laughs> I feel like this Woo. is tilted. Uh, it wasn't. It definitely isn't. It wouldn't have mattered because I would have won 38-31 if you'd have got them all because you're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to the next story. October 11th, one of the most impactful moments of the 1980s and maybe ever, U.S. President Ronald Reagan and Soviet leader Mikhail Gorbachev meet in Reykjavik, Iceland. Everyone remembers the bevy of Russian wrestling characters throughout the 1980s. And even before that, Ivan Koloff, Crusher Khrushchev. Why do they all have K's in their names? Nikolai Volkov, Nikita Koloff, and even Boxer in the Rocky movie, Ivan Drago, and so on. No K in his name. That's correct. Wrestling, for some reason, was stuck on K. 
These characters were all playing off the very real fear of the Cold War that had been lingering over everyone's heads for several years. The very real threat of nuclear war between the U.S. and the Soviet Union had been a threat tactic used by both countries and seeing that tensions were about to break. Here at the Reykjavik summit in 1986, the two leaders got together to try and make a peace treaty. Gorbachev wanted to ban all production of, of in use of ballistic missiles, while Reagan wanted to continue research on the Strategic Defense Initiative, which also included the militarization of outer space. I don't know how to take that. Gorbachev Space Force. The, space Force. Woo. Star Wars. Yeah. I, I needed a Death Star. Gorbachev stood by the missile ban, causing great tension at the summit. Reagan was more interested in talking about human rights, the emigration of Jewish people in the Soviet Union, and the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan, which did not work out well in their favor in the long run. Rambo helped Afghanistan. It, it didn't did. work out well in our favor either. So. You're right there. Nope. You, you think we would have learned by now. Gorbachev was simply interested in discussing the missile ban, specifically the want from the Soviet Union to eliminate 50% of all the strategic arms, including ICBMs or intercontinental ballistic missiles. However, the Soviets also agreed not to include France or Britain in that count because they probably had like six. The road to Reykjavik began with proposals made by Reagan in 1981 to eliminate all intermediate-range ballistic missiles and in 1982 to reduce deployed strategic nuclear warheads by at least one-third. This was a departure from arms control thinking as it had developed since 1960, but it was rooted in an older paradigm, disarmament. Soviet leaders prior to Gorbachev saw these ideas as one-sided and insincere, 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 insincere. Good and rejected job. them. The Soviet leaders had reason to be skeptical, although Reagan had told his administration from the beginning of his presidency that he wanted reactions and nuclear war reductions. Reactions. We need reactions. We need, we, we need some <laughs> nuclear reactions out here. <laughs> That he wanted reductions in nuclear warheads, he presided over a nuclear buildup to close the lead that he believed the Soviet Union had opened up over the United States. He never saw any contradictions in this, but had his administration ended in 1985 instead of 1989, it would have been remembered mainly for an enormous increase in defense spending and for arms control proposals that seemed designed to fail. Reagan's second term changed all that. Despite getting unexpectedly close to the potential elimination of all nuclear weapons, the meeting adjourned with no agreement. However, both sides discovered the extent of the concessions the other side was willing to make. An agreement by Gorbachev to on-site inspections, a continuing American demand which had not been achieved in the Partial Test Ban Treaty of 1963 or the AMN and SALT-1 Pacts of 1972, continued a significant step forward with both sides feeling that the meeting was a success and that it opened the way for further progress. Cultural boss X. Whatever, piss off. Mm. All right, that's kind of what Reagan said to the Soviets, actually. Reagan's foreign policy towards Soviets wavered between brinksmanship and cooperation. He leaned more towards brinksmanship. He was uh, a little bit crazy with all that stuff. I think... Uh, he kind of scared the Soviets a little bit because he wasn't afraid to push that button. Reagan appreciated Gorbachev's re revolutionary change in the direction of the Soviet policy and shifted to diplomacy, intending to encourage him to pursue substantial arms agreements. Reagan believed that if he could persuade the Soviets to follow more... Damn it. I pulled a Dave. 
Reagan believed that if he could persuade the Soviets to allow for more democracy and free speech, this would lead to reform and the end of communism. Follow. In, in June 87, Reagan addressed Gorbachev during a speech at the Berlin Wall, demanding that he tear down this wall. The remark Prison was ignored. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Limited fake Reagan. Good job. The remark was ignored at the time, but after the wall fell in November of 89, it was retroactively recast as a soaring achievement two years later. Don't be a dick to me. It worked. It did yeah. work. I mean, it took two years. Well, walls are hard to just knock down. Yeah. What if they're, well, if it's a support wall? How many music videos do you think tearing down the wall made it into? A lot. Like, it's at least 50. Then that's Jericho. Just, Break the walls down. Why wasn't that? Oddly I, enough, it didn't get in there. Yeah, the one video <laughs> it should have, and it did not. It did make it into cult of personality, though. There you go. October twenty second, a news helicopter for WNBC AM in New York crashes into the Hudson River. No, you got to so, do it like Howard Stern was taught. WNBC. WNBC. I won't do anything like Howard Stern. That's good. Killing traffic reporter like him. Jane Dornacker. Well, that is true. I would I would do that. Now, at first, this may seem under the bar compared to some of the airplane crashes and whatnot we've previously covered. But upon researching this, Jane Dornacker was quite a remarkable woman. I think it's Dornacker. After being born in Albuquerque in yeah, 1947, is Dornacker. She was raised <laughs> in a house. Dornacker. Is it, she was raised in a house. This is serious, damn it. Built by your grandfather. We all know how this goes. (laughs) Is that a dog with a Walkman tape to it? (laughs) (laughs) Uh. Anyway, she lived in a house that her grandfather built in Albuquerque in 1928. She showed signs very early on as a future performer when she wrote a six-act play at the age of eight. She even wrote the musical composition of the play and sang sang the parts herself. Um, after spending one year at San Francisco State University, it's not a state. It's not. She then That's became SFSU. SFSU. FU too. Gators in the Bay go chomp, chomp, chomp. She then became a lead singer, keyboardist, and songwriter for the rock group Layla and the Snakes. Layla got me on my knees, Layla. No, he, he renowned he, racist Eric Clapton. Yeah, renowned racist Eric Clapton really enjoyed the company of white people. <laughs> After she left the band, the band renamed themselves Pearl Harbor and the Explosions. That and seems can, quite PC insensitive. And you can probably guess why we've never heard of that band. Or 9 11 and the aeroplanes. Well, she did go to San Francisco State. Yeah. In the late 1970s, she began a career as a stand-up comedian. In the early 80s, she began to get some traction in that in the San Francisco comedy scene with other female comedians, Kit Hollerbach, Nora Dunn, Susan Healy, and Paula Poundstone, when they created their improv group, Femprov. Then she moved to New York City to become the traffic reporter for WNBC Radio. WNBC. Just read your part of the story. Why do you go from being a comedian to being a traffic reporter? That, that is not funny. You make a lot more money being a traffic reporter than you do a comedian, especially in the 80s. Tell Eddie Murphy that. Yeah, because everyone was doing pay-per-views in the 80s. <laughs> Moron. I was. 
No, you weren't. <laughs> Definitely. Dornicker was aboard during two. two it's Dornacker. It's Dornicker. During two unrelated crashes of helicopters. Clashes? Leased to, leased leased to WNBC. Approximately six months apart. She survived the first crash, which is weird, on April 18th, 1986, but was killed in the second. Holy shit, I'm thinking I'm not getting on another helicopter after the first one crashes. True. Can, can we do the traffic from the ground, please? So I just That's Googled where the traffic it. is. I'll I just Googled sidewalk. the story on her, and it's Dornacker. Tallywhacker. I will take your apologies in written form, please. Nope. Get it, on on a, get it as a tattoo on your other titty. I apologize, TJ. Step and you can, you can dot the J with your nipple. <laughs> That's a big J. <laughs> it's, a, it's a tiny nipple. <laughs> on October 22nd, 1986, Dornacker was given one of the station's in-copter with the letter N-copter traffic reports during the Joey Reynolds show, big star, on WNBC at 4.44 p.m., the Enstrom F-28 helicopter she was aboard plunged into the Hudson River from an altitude of roughly 75 feet. Her last words were, hit the water, hit the water, hit the water. The F-28 helicopter nosedive struck the top of a chain-link fence at the river pier, crashed into the Hudson River very near the Manhattan shore and sank 15 to, in 15 to 20 feet of water. I'm thinking maybe hit the ground, hit the ground, hit the ground. No, there's a very specific reason why she was saying hit the water. Why? There's, there's no people in the water. Man, whatever. Nobody swims in a Hudson River. It's a sewage drain. Yeah, it's gross. Yeah, I did land this how about this land it land it land it anyway a memorial concert in celebration of Dornacker took place at the warfield theater in san francisco on saturday november 22nd 1986 with performers including jerry garcia the tubes tj's favorite bobcat goldweight jeremy kramer sluts a go-go which is my favorite band now Carol Dota and Dennis Quaid. Which of these is not like the others? Carol Dota. Dennis, Dennis Quaid. Also, he, a, he was probably there just to see Sluts a Go Go. As, as the resident helicopter guy in the group, if I remember reading the story, actually, Dave, you go first. Both occupants were trapped for nearly 10 to 15 minutes before help arrived. Dornacker died on her way to St. Vincent's Catholic Medical Center. Pilot Bill Pate, the only other occupant, was severely injured but survived. In the subsequent investigation, the NTSB found that the Sprague clutch that was installed in the helicopter, which was on lease to WNBC Radio by Spectrum Helicopters of Ridgefield Park, New Jersey, was a military surplus part which was not designed for use in a civilian aircraft, and that that part had been not been adequately lubricated. It directly led to a mid-air seizure of the main rotor blades. So they went to like Dollar General and were like, hey, I need some helicopter parts. No, it was like Dollar Brigadier General. But also, um, if as that resident helicopter expert, being from the Air Force, if... <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. I worked on helicopters, you douchebag. 
Whatever. But it, what do you mean, whatever? Show I, me a sprag clutch. <laughs> I'll well, show you one, my sprag clutch. Yeah, for one, I don't even know what kind of helicopter this was. If it was a Huey, I probably it could. was an F twenty eight. That I don't, I, I don't know. That Bergman. Um, if the if the main rotor seizes midair, you ain't landing that shit. You're falling like a rock. So there's that. It looks like a news chopper. It's just a regular old little. It's a, it's a bubble with a, with rotors yeah. on it. Yeah, so it's not a Huey, like a lot of them are now. UH one ends. Anyway, or Dewey or Louie. Yes, that's correct. And I think I could have landed it. Give me one chance. Yeah, if they would have stuck your fat ass underneath it, they probably could have landed it. There you go. Hit the you fat ass. Hit the like fat ass. Hit the fat. You ass. can't land pussy in Vegas. <laughs> How are you gonna land a helicopter? I was out of money. <laughs> oh, wonderful. This has been wonderful. <laughs> this has been wonderful. <laughs> October 27th. Speaking of wonderful, in one of the sports wildest moments, the New York Mets beat the Boston Red Sox 8-5 to in Game 7 of the World Series. There's a documentary made by ESPN 30 for 30 on this Mets team that is absolutely fascinating. So if you haven't watched it, go find it. Uh, a night in Queens, uh, uh, a lot of cocaine. So prepare yourself. I, it's actually when I found out Keith Hernandez did cocaine. I didn't even know that. The Boston Red Sox came into the series t- uh, trying to break the curse of the Bambino and ending their 68-year World Series drought. His cocaine was just for men. Keith Hernandez? Yeah. It was later. Huh. The Mets went 108-54 and to win their division by a staggering 21 and a half games. Three Hall of Famers participate in this series, which is surprisingly low. Gary Carter is the only Met that's in the Hall of Fame. Are we talking shitbag Hall of Fame? Because we'll cover that. Oh, in there's a plenty in that. The two Red Sox were Wade Boggs and Boston Red Sox legend Jim Rice. Hall of Fame. I'll let that sink in for a minute. Whatever. M- NBC carried the television broadcast with Ellis Smirks. And and Barry Larkin with Vince Scully and Gore Joe Garagiola on the call while CBS had radio duties with Jack Buck and Cincinnati Reds legend Sparky Anderson. I really wanted to say Detroit Tigers and I just ended up saying Reds. <laughs> <laughs> the games in Boston averaged around 33,750 fans or so, with the highest attendance being game five. They had 34,010 in a stadium that's in a stadium that sat. 33,583. Lots of lap dances. Woo. Back at Shea Stadium, they averaged just over 55,000 fans. And unfortunately, I could not find good seating capacity numbers for the stadium in 86, but I bet you it was also standing room only. They were sitting on bricks of cocaine. In the dugout or in the stand? Well, I guess both. It was both. I mean, yeah. this, was, this was the prime John Gotti era, so yeah, they were sitting on coke. Even with the Red Sox winning 95 games during the regular season, the Mets were favored heading into the World Series, but it's seen that the Red Sox were poised to take the series in Game 6 as the Red Sox took a 5-3 to lead into the bottom of the 10th inning. Then, actually, they were one strike away from winning that game. Then one team's fortune and one man's life were forever changed. This series is best remembered for its Game 6, which saw the Mets rally from the two-run deficit in the bottom of the 10th despite having two outs and no one on base. The Red Sox, who held a 3-2 series lead, were twice one strike away from securing the championship. 
but failed to close out the inning as the Mets won off an error by Boston first baseman Bill Buckner. On the 10th pitch of his at-bat, Mookie Wilson put the ball in play, forcing a ground ball to first base. Aware of Wilson's speed, Bill Buckner moved over to the sideline to try to field the ball, but it rolled between his legs and into right field. This allowed the game-winning the game winning run to score, and the Mets would go on to win Game 7 of the series and claim their championship, and the curse was alive and well. Well, I got a curse for you. TJ, shut them kids up. Look at that. Let's talk my fave. Kenny Dykstra. No, Lenny Dykstra. We can talk Kenny Dykstra. You don't talk you Kenny? sully the good. <laughs> let's, let's talk Kenny. Ken Dome, baby. Don't you sully the good goddamn name of the spirit squad on this show. <laughs> when we last left Mr. Lenny Dykstra, he was paying hookers with cold checks in 2010. <laughs> surely, <laughs> surely it was looking up for him. You take uh, Western Union whore. <laughs> <laughs> No, you got to have money for that. That's true. In January 2011, Dykstra was accused of sexual assault by his housekeeper. Hey, can you walk with me to the pawn shop? <laughs> she alleged that he had forced her to perform oral sex on him. With his housekeeper? Yeah. Jesus. The woman told investigators, quote, she needed the job and the money, so she went along with the suspect's request rather than lose her job. She should have used the vacuum cleaner hose. Mm. And we yeah, she should have used a chainsaw, but oh. we'll get back to that. On April 13th, 2011, Dykstra was arrested. Uh, there's a pattern going on here. Mm. For investigation of grand theft by Los Angeles police at his Encino home on suspicion of trying to buy a stolen car. Probably with a cold check. Mm. The day after Dykstra, in an unrelated federal complaint, had been charged with embezzling from a bankruptcy estate. What? <laughs> By the way, um, we are three months into this story. How three is he months. not in jail? I digress. On June 6, 2011, Dykstra was arrested and charged with 25 misdemeanor and felony counts of grand theft auto, identity theft, and filing false financial statements, and possession of... That's right, cocaine. Ecstasy and HGH, known as somatropin. Well, uh, good. The the paying hookers with cold checks wasn't cutting it. So now I got to start dealing HGH. I don't want to sleep. I want to be swole and I want to be horny all the time. <laughs> he at did. Is that, that's why he raped his housekeeper. At least he's no Roger Clemens with the limp dick. It's true. <laughs> Not with the uh, Mindy McCready's coming in here in a minute. He's got four, we're at four arrests in five months. All right. Hope, hey, give him time. He's he's reforming. <laughs> On August twenty fifth, two thousand eleven. This is one month later. I don't know how he got out of jail from the past three times. Well, you you forgot July, so this is actually two months later. Dykstra must have been on that ecstasy because he was charged with indecent exposure. Rock hard cactus rocking around in Los Angeles. <laughs> the Los Angeles city attorney accused him of placing ads on Craigslist, Craigslist, requesting a personal assistant or housekeeping services. We know how that turns out. <laughs> Nobody goes on Craigslist. Sit down. The victim. See that up there? That's a light pole. <laughs> 
The, the victims with an ass. over there? It's an airplane. He's giving tour guides with his dick. <laughs> this is the Tower of Justice. <laughs> the victims alleged that when they arrived, they were informed the job also required massage service and that Dykstra went ex- then exposed himself to them. Apparently, somewhere around here, he also was found to be the father of Deshaun Watson. Mm. On stick your went, finger in my butt. He, he went to jail, by the way. So what, there's why that's why there's a jump what? in this a jump in this story. But then he got out, so he's he's probably better. Good for him. On May 23rd, 2018, Dykstra was arrested for drug possession and for uttering terroristic threats. He allegedly held a gun to his Uber driver after the driver refused to change destinations. That's not how Uber works, man. Holy balls. In his book, 108 Stitches, former Dykstra teammate Ron Darling alleged that Dykstra hurled racist taunts at Red Sox pitcher Oil Can Boyd from the on-deck circle during the 1986 World Series. Dykstra sued Darling for defamation on April 2020, but the case was dismissed. This is my favorite part. On June 1st, 2020, when the judge, citing Dykstra's documented reputation as being, among other things, racist, misogynist, and anti-gay, as well as a sexual predator, a drug abuser, a thief, and an embezzler. You, my friend, can't sue anyone at this point. You know how... I love him! Do you know how rotten you have to be where the judge is just like, get get him out of here. Literally a walking turd. But I'm the plaintiff this time. I don't care. Get out. That's incredible. What a dirtbag. Should have gone to night court. Mm. <laughs> Let Richard Maul loose on his ass. Where's Bull? Hey, Bull yeah, here. Richard Maul. And Larry Anderson. And they're, they're shenanigans. Are you drinking it's out Harry, of a gold- Harry Anderson. Are you drinking out of a Golden Girls cup? No. It's Dave's favorite movie. The Breakfast Club. Why is that worse? I don't know how it's worse. Never seen it. Stupid, ignorant, disrespectful. Does that mean it's my turn? That means it's my turn. Mm. Let's go to Timmy's Trivioki. Figaro. Figaro, 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 Figaro. That's not Tosca. Ugh, my ears. My back. Yep, yep, I remember. Everyone remembers when Elvis performed that. All righty. I know what Fat Timmy was singing there. What? Oh, I want to eat with somebody. <laughs> I want to smash pie with somebody. You are correct, sir. All right. The tally for this month doesn't matter because as long as we have fun, I don't keep score. Mm, I do. It's funny. All right. Song number one. Clue number one. This song is from the album Raising Hell. Are you going to keep going? I don't. There's like 13 songs on that album. Clue number two. The 1986 video for this song symbolically places a rock band and a rap band in a musical duel in neighboring studios. Oh, run DMC and Aerosmith. Uh, 
Walk, Walk this, this way. way. Dave. It was both of us. We tied. I beat you, host. No, we tied. Dave, Dave beat you. No, he said he would have been flying up in the air. Listen to the recording. Or later on, just give I, me some head. I tell you guys about the time I met Steven Tyler. Mm-mm. No, I thought it was Mick Jagger. It was. But I thought he, he had moves like Jagger. I I didn't realize that was '86. That was later. Than that. Well, okay. it was the 1986 video, so that mm. kind of puts it there. All right, song number two, clue number one. This is a song by American singer songwriter Lionel Richie. It was written by Richie Mike Frenchick. And Carlos Rios for Richie's third studio album of the same name. Hello, you are the sun. Is you it me you're looking for? I get smiled like this. Clue number two released as the album's leading single. So. It became a worldwide hit, reaching top five in Sweden and Belgium with their Jeez. chocolate Chocolate coffee people, Jeez. as well as peaking in the top spot of the national singles chart in Norway. Clogs. It peaked at number two on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 in September 1986. Yankees. I have no idea. Number three, in the video, which premiered on September 8th, 1986, Richie and friends attend a party and dance on the ceiling, reminiscent of Fred Astaire's routine. Dance on the ceiling. What a feeling. And you're dancing on the ceiling. TJ, get into it. You didn't pick Journey, but you picked this shit. <laughs> How dare you? Oh, what a feeling. You'll probably really hate me on this next one. Oh, you're batting a thousand so far. As usual, I'm going to pick four songs TJ's not going to know. Great. Song number three. This is a song by American rock singer Eddie Money. It was released August 1986 as the lead single from his album Can't Hold Back. Two tickets to paradise. No, but I like the guess. Damn it. <laughs> That's the only song I know by him. That B2, I'm out. Clue number two, this song was nominated for the Best Male Rock Performance at the 29th Annual Grammy Awards on February of 1987, but lost to Robert Palmer's Addicted to Love. And they were Might like as that. well face it. Might as well you're addicted to love. love. That's a way better song. Why didn't you pick that one? Clue number three, this song's chorus interpolates the Ronettes' 1963 hit, Be My Baby. Be My Baby, with original vocals providing uncredited vocals reprising his role. Baby. With my baby tonight. Be my little baby. 
that song. Three to nothing. Three to nothing. No, I got that one. Dick no, you didn't. I mean, to be fair, you don't get the point if I start playing the song first. Yeah, you that's, do, fool. No. That's, yeah, but, yeah. That's how we play in the hood. Your that's game is fair. stupid. It's my uh, turn. Is it your turn? Now it's time for game phase. Have you seen it? You slip her the hot beef injection. I got one. I got one. But damn it, I got nothing, guys. Huh? All right, so here's the deal. Pickle. October October 1986 movies. I'd never heard of any of them. Okay. I'm in. So, so we're just going 1986, baby. Oh. Thanks to Amy's recommendation last time, I didn't know Goonies. any of the movies. There's four movies this week from 1986. Tim, minus one points, no Goonies. It's now 5-3. I'm pretty sure <laughs> the Goonies was like 1981. I don't no. think so. All right, here we go. Our first movie this week grossed more than $357.3 million. Jesus Christ. At the box office on a budget of only $15 million. Damn. As students at the United States Navy Elite Fighter Weapons School. Top Gun. Top Gun. All right, so it's back to 6-3 now. TJ, there's three left. Don't worry. I'm losing points, and I'm still beating your ass. (laughs) For once. All right, I went 44 to three and a half. How did they make that movie on that low of a budget? That's a lot of stock footage they used in that movie. They or just, how much they spent making the second movie. They just patched a in, lot more. They just patched in commercials from the Navy. <laughs> Top Gun 2. Maverick. Budget 177 million. Box office 1.496 billion with a B. It's okay. it still worked. They still made like 30 times the amount they spent. <laughs> I'm in. All right, here we go. Movie number B. With a budget of eight point eight million, big one. Our second movie this week raked in three hundred and twenty-eight million dollars at the box office. They did all right. This is an action comedy film. An Beverly American Hills Cop. Re- nope, minus one. An American reporter goes to the Australian outback to meet oh, Dundee. PJ ah. Stevens with four points. All of it is now seven to five. Also, I hate day. you. I hate you. Good day. <laughs> that one's for you, Klondike <laughs> Bill. Yes. Good day. Klondike Steve, not Klondike Bill. Knife? That's not a knife. This is a knife. This is a knife. I love that movie. And Peter Griffin goes, this is also a knife. And he just walks away and he goes, I want to see a lot of him. And then suddenly none of him. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Two movies left. TJ's up by two. (laughs) (laughs) Horse shit. I'm doing the 86 Mets right here. 
Timmy's Bill Butler. I did do the 86 Mets. Our third movie this week grossed more than 91.3 million on a budget of 11 million. Movie number C is an American comedy film. I get no respect. Oh, uh, summer to help it to help his discouraged oh, uh, son get through college, a fun-loving Triple and obnoxious rich businessman decides to enter the school as a student no. himself. Oh no! no. Uh, I just said it. School. Uh, it's not summer school. That's got Mark stars Harmon. Rodney Dangerfield and Sally Kellerman. School's out. Back to school. Back to, Back school. to school. TJ Stevens, with the help of Allison Faye. Look at you guys. Peter. Go. Peter. He's here. TJ with another four points. It's now 11 to three. I can't look at the comments. <laughs> I, ha- <laughs> I can't look at the comments. I have to run the clips. Oh. <laughs> and I said four different variations of the movie title before I got it right. <laughs> School of Hard Knocks. School of Hard Knocks. School of Rock. Nacho Libre. Last movie. On a budget of 18.4 million. The most expensive movie out of all of these movies. Grossed 55 million at the box office. Whoa. Still made money. This is also an American comedy film. A young couple struggles to repair a hopelessly dilapidated house. Money money pit. TJ Stevens ties it up with the money pit. I I watched it last weekend. (laughs) Shelly Long, Tom Hanks. Yep, stars Tom Hanks and Shelly Long. All right. Since we have a tie, I'm thinking of a number between one and two. We have a tie (laughs) legitimately. Timmy C, I'm thinking of a number between one and two. <laughs> two. And then it's one. TJ wins because you changed your answer. <laughs> <laughs> what a loser. This game sucks. <laughs> <laughs> what a loser. Picking. T- I'm team- thinking of a number between one and a million. Team- team get it right, it. you win. Okay, sure. <laughs> Before I get can't exactly believe on it. The Money Pit was the most expensive film. Top Gun. Think about the, all the shit they did to that house. Mm, and mm. all they did was use Navy commercials for Top Gun. Yeah. <laughs> they, they just had to dub out the sound. Do you want to be in the world's most cutting edge aircraft? The guy with the cone. <laughs> Here we go. Let's let's watch some wrestling actually before we do. We're going back to October 4th, 1986. This is WWF Saturday night's main event. Your announcers uh, I almost said Jim McMahon. Vince McMahon and it Jesse better McMahon. would have been Jim McMahon. You're right. One, two. Ed McMahon. McMahon. Ed McMahon would have been better. Your venue, the Richfield Coliseum in Richfield, Ohio. They loved this place. They did. We start the show with Jesse welcoming welcoming us, and then Jake showering with the snake and calling Ricky Steamboat a loser. You're muted, why is, dummy. Why is Jake in the shower with a snake? Don't you shower with your snake? Not wrapped around my shoulders. What? 
Get a bigger one. I don't know what to tell you. I would impale my wife. <laughs> I just thought Jake in short pants was freaking me out. I at least prefer karate pants. Well, I don't want to see his kneecaps. The whole thing. <laughs> that's that's the thing that bothers you about this. I yeah. can see his kneecaps. <laughs> <laughs> you got some ugly knees, Jake. I mean, never mind that one of your balls is out, but look at your knees. <laughs> look at those <laughs> knees, Aurelian. <laughs> <laughs> then Johnny V promos a match for the Dream Team against the Bulldogs. Then Kamala and his manager come out. I cannot remember his name. The is Wizard. It, is the it Wizard. Curtis Iakea? King Curtis Iakea. Yeah, okay, I had completely what's... forgotten that he was in the WWF. No, it's then. The Wizard. I know, but it's King Curtis Ikea. Yeah, dummy. Look like Don't he had a damn remember, highway. Remember the height. Yeah. Yes, father from the Dungeon of Doom. Yes. Same guy. Yeah. What was he his name in that? Highway. The master, he was the master. Forehead. The master, that's right. And Bader. And Sullivan was the taskmaster. And then Haystacks, giant Haystacks was Loch Ness. Yep. Bader. For like a month. And Shark. Bader. Why do you keep saying Vader? I said Bader. Why do you keep saying Bader? Because you said he was the master. Shut up. <laughs> it's your All turn, right. TJ. I guess I'm up. <laughs> then <laughs> then him and Orndorff. We're professionals, higher. folks. Actually, it was Dave's turn, just so you know. I said my part, you dingleberry. No, yeah, but you didn't say it verbatim, so that's why I got lost. He, I don't need right. to. It's all up here. You didn't say all the words. <laughs> it's all, it's all, there's nothing up here. <laughs> Including <laughs> hair. There's nothing. That's mean. And I shaved I shaved over two inches off my beard the other day. My wife wouldn't kiss me anymore. I'm getting there. Yeah. Then he and Orndorff admire Paul while he's in the mirror, and they call Hulk Hogan a crybaby. Then, of course, we get Hulk Hogan calling Orndorff a Benedict Arnold, and it's time to start the show. I always thought Orndorff was great for territory wrestling. He just didn't have the promo for big time. No, he needed uh, What was that uh, psychic he found in WCW? Gary... Gary, Gary Spivey. He needed Spivey. Gary. He needed Gary Spivey with the white afro. Yes, that was clearly <laughs> plastic. It was clearly plastic. He was the most. You're odd, Mr. Wonderful. He was the most odd like opponent for Hogan. I always thought though, because at this point they were doing the Monster Factory at Bundy and Andre. But Mr. Wonderful was like, Hogan's bigger than him. Why? Why can he take Hogan? I, I mean, I'm not seven foot four like Andre, but have you seen this? Just wait five years and then it'll look like this. But we're we're gonna get that's rude. But we're we're gonna get into <laughs> that. Uh actually what this rivalry ended up doing, because it ended up being a big big rivalry for Hogan. After the intro package, we see Jesse and Vince talking about Roddy Piper being hurt. And then we go to Mean Gene and Roddy Piper in the locker room, although they're not in the shower. We see highlights of That'd be weird. <laughs> Gene, get out of the shower. Why are you I- pulling my kilt up? Why are you showering with your kilt on? <laughs> we see highlights of Adrian Adonis, Bob Orton, and Don Morocco attacking Piper's leg with a chair. I'm not going to talk about the promo. I'm just going to say I love Roddy Piper and I miss him. I loved this promo. Piper had all the passion. Loved it. Piper's promos were the equivalent of the Ultimate Warrior. Incorrect. No, no wrong. Absolutely yes. wrong. Terrible. See, the only issue with Piper is sometimes he would go so fast you couldn't understand him, but they were still words. <laughs> are you sure yes up next i asked him thank you 
Up next, we go over. Uh, uh, Roddy, do you speak English? I'm just, I'm just asking. Up next, well, we go he over. Is Canadian. He is a Canadian. Could Canadian. be French. We go over highlights of Paul Orndorff pile driving Hulk. By the way, yeah, we haven't had a match yet. Pile driving Hulk Hogan when he turned on him, and now we go to the Hulkster again. Hogan had a lot of blood brothers in the WWF. Did you guys notice that? He had a lot of blood brothers that turned on him. He's a very bad judge of character. Uh, correct. I. Bruce Beefcake. I think we forgot how good Hogan Watch was. And forgot how good Hogan was at his babyface promos when he was in the in on top here in the eighties. This was good. I liked it. I'm gonna disagree. This was one of the worst promos I've ever heard from Hogan. Good. I'm two for two. You guys are just disagreeing me left and right. Up next, we go to Gene with Orndorff and Heenan again. Bobby Bobby calls Hogan an albino ape right out of the gate. Orndorff again. I'm gonna go against Timmy. Orndorff is an underrated heel. I did. I, he was just not the heel for Hogan. I think he'd have been better as like a Hercules Hernandez heel. Just don't fight him if he's in flip flops. Who will your ass? And you're naked. Right. If he's dressed, you're fine. But if he's naked, and he's got the little baby arm, you're about to catch a whooping. Well, he still beat your ass with that little baby arm. <laughs> he just whipped him with the baby arm. God, you're a dick. Match one. <laughs> Paul Orndorff with Bobby Heenan challenge for the WWF title against Hulk Hogan. Orndorff comes out to Hogan's music. Hogan? Hogan. I just said it like five said Hogan. <laughs> Great stuff there. Love this. Hogan starts off the match hot as Heenan jumps on the apron to distract Hulk. Then Orndorff clotheslines Hogan over the top. It doesn't take long for Hogan to regain control because it's Hulk Hogan. And again, Hogan. Into this rivalry between Orndorff and Hogan here, these two main evented Toronto two months before the show and drew over 61,000 people. So this feud's hot here in 86. He didn't get involved again, but this time fails. And then cops, the cops come, the literal police come and take Heenan away after the break. Orndorff's in control. Then Hogan hulks up, and here we go. Hogan then goes for a pile driver, but here comes Adrian Adonis for the DQ. They double-team Hogan, and here comes Piper on crutches. Piper gets Adonis, misses Orndorff, takes a wild swing at Hogan. He goes down, and they have a face-off. Piper leaves at the end, and Hogan must pose, brother. Orndorff coming out to Hulk's music was like the ultimate troll. But it would have been better if they didn't say anything about it first, let the music hit, let the crowd go wild, and then Orndorff comes out. That would have been epic. Agreed. I got all excited. I thought this was their infamous cage match, but that was in January of 87. Wasn't that the next Saturday night's main event? Mm-hmm. I did like how they'd have the main event first, but wouldn't you think that hurt the overall ratings because people want to see Hogan, so then after Hogan, they just kind of turn it off? All right, let me go. Did they do that because here. it's so me, late? Yeah, because it's it's like late-night programming. You, put, you front-load it because... You start to lose eyes at about midnight. Everyone starts yeah. to go to sleep. Yeah, wasn't That's why you get a two out of three falls British Bulldogs match at the end of the mm. card. Didn't this start at 11 p.m. Eastern? The show started, I think. 11.35 right? was okay. when it started. Yeah, it was after Saturday Night Live. Oh, that's right. Mm-mm. Replace the Saturday Night Live. Yeah. It was yeah. on after your local news. Yeah. Bobby in this match seems to show a little bit of what is missing in wrestling these days with the use of managers. Talent? Well, and there's, I mean, there's a couple of managers in AEW, but they're all trash. 
Mm. Big Show. But other than that, there's no managers. Him injecting himself into the match and then getting thrown out was compelling TV. Yes. I love how the cops had to literally carry him out of the out of the arena. Yes. Now this was no technical masterpiece, but I could see how the younger WWF fans absolutely would be on the edge of their seat going crazy over this match. Hogan caught a beatdown for a little while. He did. So, but then you know, of course, nothing ever ends in a pin on regular TV. No. And Piper and Hogan come out for the face-off. And that was great storytelling for their feud 10 years later in WCW. Long-term storytelling. Yeah. Well, Dave, as usual, you're wrong. I mean, Kamala pins Lanny Poffo later. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Spoiler alert. I agree, Dave. Yeah, I was Dave. a little disappointed. When TJ sold this to me, I'm like, sweet, it's the cage match with the tie. The, lots of controversy. No, just, just this match. But this is definitely a better worked match than any of the Monster Factory matches. Orndorff's going to give him a better match than Bundy or Earthquake or... Earthquake wasn't there yet. Talking about the entire run. Mm. Sorry. You should be. I thought this was what solidified Piper's face turn. Jesse did the best job of selling it. Jesse's like, what's he doing? And Vince was like trying to bury it, but Jesse was right there to push it to the surface. Great storytelling here. I don't, I don't think we give Jesse his due. He was very good at being almost intuitive about that kind of thing. Well, no, I think Jesse kind of had the pulse of the crowd and was like, they're not going to buy that. He's not a, face now right well as we get ready for jake and steamboat we go back to jake in the shower with gene and damien because what is he get out of the shower why is he taking so long in there look at his kneecaps look at his kneecaps i mean again never mind the ball look at those kneecaps his kneecaps are soaked at this point the last like raisins. The last Saturday night's main event was the show where Jake DDT'd Steamboat on the floor. Ouch. Yep. Then a bloody Steamboat beat Jake in Toronto at the big event, which we just mentioned a little bit ago. Again, great promo here by Jake. I just wish it wasn't in the shower. I Match. think next time we should record in the shower. I'm I'm in. I mean, I have a really nice shower. Match two. Ricky Steamboat looks for revenge against Jake in a snake pit match. I don't know what that means. I don't either. Steam. I actually, I've watched this and I still don't know. Steamboat has a Komodo dragon to counteract Damien. Um, which, hey, hey. What? Komodo. Not Komodo. It doesn't have a silk wrapper. It might have. You don't know that. <laughs> it, it had it around its mouth. It did. No, not when he pulled it out. At the end I know of the he night, pulled it out. Like, doesn't what did he pull out? In the, the shadows. Why the don't Komodo you leave? Komodo dragon. Yeah, so he Komodo. pulled out a four-year-old girl. Uh, <laughs> That'd be weird to pull out of a bag. Why do you have her in a bag? <laughs> what are you going to do with this? He's Lenny Dykstra. I know people have their personal opinions on Jake from his troubled past, and they they love to bring it back up and throw it in his face. I can't get enough wa- of watching Jake's matches, especially here in the mid-'80s. Jake took a catapult in this match, which I normally hate, but Jake didn't jump. He just folded up into the corner. A little note for current wrestlers that might be listening to this. Both men go down as Jake goes for Damien and the steamboat goes for the dragon, but Jake stops him. 
Jake goes back on offense as the match slows down to a crawl. And Jake's psychology science, I really wanted to find the match ratings for this show on uh, the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, but they do not go back that far in the archive. I was disappointed. Jake rams Ricky back first into the ring post several times and throws him back in the ring, and now he goes for Damien again. Jake starts to go, but Ricky's got the dragon. What I wrote that really weird. Uh, Jake starts to go to Damien, but Ricky's already got the dragon backing Jake off, and the crowd goes insane. Simple match, no high spots at all. The crowd's going insane. You keep saying dragon, and all I see is an alligator. Why the hell is he carrying around an alligator? <laughs> you have a very small, pissed-off crocodile, sir. Why I've, seen, I've seen a Komodo dragon. That ain't it. No, that was an alligator. Well, they're calling it a dragon it- on the show. Steamboat was so good in the ring. It's sad that he requested vacation after winning the Intercontinental Championship and never got the run he deserved. I would have loved to see him in more meaningful feuds in the WWF over him always coming up short against Flair in WCW. The crowd was all over Steamboat getting that win with the roll-up. That place was going crazy. But I'm still not quite sure why Steamboat had an alligator with him. The reptile rental bill in the WWF back in the 80s must have been enormous. And the STD doctor. Yes. I remember that DDT vividly that knocked Steamboat out. That was crazy. That's not a dragon. In fact, my next note is that dragon looks a whole lot like a baby alligator. (laughs) (laughs) Good psychology with both bags in the corner. I thought that worked. I'm not sure how much it hurts to ram your butt into the ring post, though, because Jake did that to Steamboat. He's like, he's ramming him into the post. I'm like, it's his left butt cheek. That can't hurt that much. It hurts the glutes. Makes it hard to walk. But yeah, he pulled that uh, baby gator out, and instead of that strap being around his snout still, it was just like out. I'm like, oh, I hope he doesn't decide he wants to eat, because that would be bad. (laughs) Ricky Steamboat pulls the dragon out, and it eats his left arm. Cool. And head. Up next, we go to the locker room with Gene and Hulk Hogan. This time, he was nice enough to let Hogan get out of the shower. Hogan's and he hair. was completely dry. Hair, completely my next, dry. My next comment, Hogan's hair looks great considering he just got out of the shower. Hogan is talking a lot of court puns, and I don't understand this promo whatsoever. I'm telling you, those writers for Saturday night's main event were not doing Hogan any favors with this writing. No, they were. They, I didn't get it at all. Like, I was expecting Judge Dredd to, like, kick the door in at any minute. <laughs> now we see a promo of Jesse... As Slick and Iron Sheik show up to the arena in a limousine, I did not know Slick ever managed Iron Sheik. Slick. Yeah, WrestleMania three. It was oh, that's uh, right. Sheik and Volkov. Yeah, that's right. And you're right. Hacksaw hit him with the two by four, and then a heart foundation beat him. And then they left and did cocaine together. Woo! Took a vacation. Yeah. Slick calls Piper a coward since he can't wrestle, but Sheik will be ready for the for the substitute for that match. The Iron Sheik was 44 years old here. And Slick's Shut up, talking, motherfucker! Slick's talking about the bright future he has. Who are yeah. you yelling at? 44-year-olds kick ass still. Oh. Your future ain't bright, Timmy. Take off them sunglasses. 
Yeah, you rode a bull for four seconds and ripped your bicep. So I yeah. think we can give up on that. At least he could get on the bull. I did get on the bull Correct. after. Like, I, I hopped up on it like a champ. By the <laughs> way, even as much as that bull operator was an asshole, when everyone got on, instead of, like, leaving it level, he lowered the ass so you could just kind of hop up on Yeah, it. he did what they're supposed to do. My, mine was like, let me raise it up a couple more feet for you. To be fair, I still don't know if you'd have got up on it first try. I'll kill you. <laughs> no, the bull the bull guy tried to kill me. Match three, Iron Sheik takes on Pedro Morales, but here comes Roddy Piper. Piper tells Pedro to leave so he can wrestle. He even threads him with a crutch. And Sheik tries to jumpstart this match, but takes a crutch shot. Sheik takes control here pretty early. Sheik goes for a suplex, but Piper reverses it into a small package, grabs the tights, and gets the surprise win. The match was just about as long as it took me to describe it. Yeah, Piper won with a small cradle a minute into the match. What are we even doing here? This made zero sense. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Roddy Piper has to be one of the most overrated wrestlers of all time. Take a poop with your pants on. We'll finish this show, Timmy, just me and you. Forget Dave. Okay. <laughs> now, I liked Piper and his mannerisms in and out of the ring were great, but I just don't get it. His interviews were Ultimate Warrior-like. Stop me. it. You were so wrong. He just babbled. Did you babbled. see Did you see Sheiky Baby's back? He clocked him with that crutch. Twice. Oof. Mean Gene's backstage with Johnny V and the Dream Team. Oh, we man. get just riveting promos here from Valentine and Beefcake. Glad that happened. We come back from break. Gene is with Roddy Piper as Piper throws Pepsi on himself. <laughs> Piper goes after Adonis verbally and says Adonis has pork toros that look like he gave birth to six litters of puppies. You mispronounced it, but I think you did it right. You said pork toros, and pork I think toros. that might actually be, be correct. Despite Dave's dumbassery, this was a great promo. Nope. Match four. The British Bulldogs defend the tag titles against the Dream Team. Before the match, Dynamite Kid speaks to Gene, and I didn't catch a single word of it. This is two out of three falls. Spot of tea. Where was I at? This is two out of three falls. European rules, because that, sure. I'm losing confidence. We're going to see Kamala. The Bulldogs beat the Dream Team for the titles of WrestleMania 2. Dynamite takes a lot of punishment, and then Valentine gets the figure four, and BK gets rid of the Bulldog. And the winner of the first fall is the Dream Team. Hey, hey, TJ. Yep. This isn't a live wrestling show. They already knew Kamala was going to show up at the end. He wasn't getting bumped if they announced it. It had been in the can for a month at this point. I was so disappointed when they said two out of three falls. <laughs> Gross. I, I don't remember them saying this until the match started. Until the match started. They're like, two out of three falls. I'm like, what the hell? Well, in TJ's mind, it was like, we got time to kill. Oh, that's absolutely what it meant. In between falls, we go backstage with Gene. Give us an update on Adrian Adonis' condition. If I don't, I mean, I wasn't asking. He was still fat. He was still fat. Dynamite gets destroyed for most of the second fall until Bulldog gets in and takes control. Then Dynamite hits a double-team splash for the second fall. Okay, Beefcake as a heel was just weird. I think we can all agree to that. Pretty yeah. sure just as a person. He yeah, he's weird. also weird as a person. 
And we, Valentine is definitely a wrestler who was built for the eighties. I am yeah. quite confident that he would never have made it in the new age of wrestling. I think in he any was, way, shape, or form. He was built to be a paperweight. Like um, his style would clash terribly with the guys these days. What was his style exactly? Boring. Do you think I could get a tryout? Like, no, you look like a look like a cafeteria worker. You can't know. <laughs> you look like a head of he cabbage. Does. He looks like an old gym teacher lady. <laughs> He looks like he looks like a 1980s lesbian gym teacher. I'm not gonna lie. I really like the end of the second fall though, with Davy Boy holding Beefcake and Dynamite Kid jumping off Beefcake's back onto Valentine with a splash for the pinfall. Love they re- they really like to punish Dynamite in these matches. They did. They, they did. almost killed him in WrestleMania too. The third fall is some good back and forth when Bulldog hits a fisherman suplex and gets the win. Still, your tag team champions, the Bulldogs. See, they did it all wrong. The perfect plex should have been for the second fall. And then the second fall with the splash off of Beefcake should have been the pinfall. But this was leading towards Valentine turning on Beefcake and Beefcake becoming a barber. So I guess Beefcake had to take the third fall. Yep. Overall, it was a fun match, but Dave's not a fan of multi-fall matches. No, he's terrible. Not at all. No. I just put on mine at the end because I wasn't going to go through all that ridiculous bullshit. First fall goes to the team that should be the champion at this point. Because why are we doing two out of three falls? We really appreciate you, uh, you know, contributing to the show. Thank you. Valentine jumping off the second rope literally looks like he's just trying to get up there and fall. He's like, I'm here. Scoot closer. Terrible. Worst style of wrestling. (laughs) His, His style of wrestling was fall. He did the opposite of Shawn Michaels. Instead of telling Vader to move for, farther away, come come in a few feet. <laughs> Get right under me so I can <laughs> I, cushion my landing. Shocker, the Bulldogs won the second match and the score, we had to go to the third one. And somewhere, Kurt Henning was watching this match and decided that was going to be his finisher. Match five, Timmy was right after all. Kamala takes on John Waters. Uh, no, not Wait, exactly. Wait, what's that? Being told that's actually Lanny Poffo. Anyway, uh, anyone want to guess how this ends? Kamala splash match over. I know I was also taken away by this match. My breath was just, breath was just removed. Kamala manhandled Poffo, and I'm pretty sure we all knew a squash match was coming because there was like two minutes left to go on this show. However, I wanted to see Kamala crush Poffo with a splash off the top rope after the match because I legit hated leaping Lanny Poffo. He was such a dork. Well, this would have killed him for sure. To be That's fair, he I was wanted. a dork in real life. I met him. This would have made the really show nice five guy. stars. But he had to be the biggest dorkest. He, he, he completely, completely dork. A nice the human being. I, I just felt like they gave Poffo too much uh, offense. Because Popo, you said about the Heenan thing. Popo, yeah, fuck the police. <laughs> Can't say that. Dave says that. <laughs> I'm gonna fill up this ditch. How about that? <laughs> Vincent Ventura recapped the show as we relive Hogan being ejected from the match. Hogan Heenan, then Adonis being attacked with Piper's crutch. That's how we go off the air. It would have been better if they had evicted Hogan. <laughs> It'd been a weird match. Awesome. Or if they like, wait, he's the champion. Bring it back here. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please let us know. 
Give us that five-star review wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to follow the show on Twitter at FF Podcast, on Instagram at Filter Free Podcast. Follow the network, our Patreon network at Filter Free Net, and of course, Premier Streaming Network at Watch on Premier. As for us, you can find us all on our social media platforms at Timmy C. At Timmy C1979. Dollar Bill Dave. At Dave in the HSV. And I am at T Stevens91. So normally at this part of the show, we would uh, kind of foreshadow what we're going to cover next week. Wait a minute. I have to do my joke first before we bring it down. Okay, go ahead. Joke of the week. What's the difference between Iron Man and Iron Woman? I don't don't know. Whoa. One's a superhero. The other's a command. (laughs) I'm going to laugh when Jandy kills you. (laughs) I'm embarrassed how long that took me to figure it out. So, again, normally we would, uh, at this part of the show, we would forecast next week's show, tell you what we're going to cover, all that other stuff. But, um, unfortunately, this week's got to be a little bit different because this is going to be my final show for the foreseeable future. Some of you guys know this. Not many because I'm I'm just not that type of a guy. But uh, about six weeks ago, two months ago, somewhere in there, my wife was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. Um, and I have, uh, I'm going to step away and focus on that. Actually, as we were recording tonight here on the 25th, she goes into surgery at Rush Hospital tomorrow. Um, luckily, we've been given the diagnosis that after some surgery and uh, some radioactive iodine treatments probably in December, she should be right as rain, but we have to get there first and it's going to be a long road. Um, I, I, I've, it really puts, puts things in perspective, you know, cause we kind of live in your own little bubble with work and, you know, your friends and all this goofy shit we do and all that stuff. And then something like this to sit you in the face. And for two weeks, I knew she had cancer, but I didn't know how bad. And I cannot tell you what those two weeks were like, because I'm not one to tell people something like this without me knowing everything. And I, because I would feel terrible making someone else feel the way that I do with no answer in sight. I didn't even tell my dad until two and a half weeks ago. Um, but again, we're, we're very fortunate. Uh, it seems that we caught it in time. We should be fine. Uh, again, I could not be more grateful for uh, United Steelworkers 9231. They have fought for a phenomenal insurance package that allows me to go to Rush Hospital here, one of the best con- cancer hospitals, not only in the country, but in the world. And um, <clears throat> I want to say specific thanks to Efren. Carla Odom, the Oda, the wife of Josh Odom, who's just turned into one of the biggest sweethearts I've ever met. Uh, Amy Vaughn, who's here in the comments. I see her. Um, Justin Yent. And, of course, you two have been 
very helpful uh, this through this whole ordeal. And, and when we say on the show that we're best friends, that's not a joke. That's not a lie. That's for real. So I don't know when I'm going to be back. I know these guys have some guest hosts lined up. The show will continue uh, in my in my stead. Um, I I don't know when I'm going to be back, but I promise you I'm going to be back. And my wife will be 100%. We're going to beat this. And it's it's thanks to all of you. So keep us in mind. And oh, oh, there's Carla Odom right there. She just poked in. Keep us in your mind, in your thoughts. Um, if you, if you, I, I don't think this is going to happen, but if you see a GoFundMe in my name, it's not real because I'm not doing one. But um, we'll be around. We'll, I, I will be back. You have my word on that. And uh, anything you guys want to say before we head off into the night? Well, first yeah, of so- all. We're we're obviously deeply saddened with the with the news. TJ told us quite a while ago, and we've kept it, you know, close to our chest because it's it's something that we all had to discuss multiple times over how we wanted to handle this. When we think it's best for TJ to step away, um, we're going to keep doing what we do and try to entertain. Uh, like TJ said, there are going to be guest hosts coming. We've talked to Pondwater. Uh, we've talked to Efren. I'm going to reach out to some other friends as well, and we're going to try and just keep the show going the same way it always is. It might be just, a little different dynamic. Yeah, but fun and lighthearted as always. But everybody, please respect TJ's privacy at this time. But at the same time, you know, pray for TJ and Piper and Jack, as well as Jamie, because you know, we think it's something that they're going to be able to treat and that it's it's going to be okay in the long run, but Jamie's going to have a tough road ahead of her. Mm-hmm. And so is TJ and so is Piper and Jack. So first and foremost, we have to make sure that the Stevens family is our number one priority. And that's what friends do. And I, I think all of us know that. Um, we're, we're going to be here for TJ when he's ready to return. We're going to, we'll be back and doing the same thing as always. Uh, I'm sure Timmy and I will talk to TJ 412 times a day. Like we do now anyway. Yeah. So, uh, we'll release out any information to you guys that TJ says we can to let you guys know. But like he said, we're not doing any kind of GoFundMe or anything like that. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a private matter with the family and we ask that you respect that matter or those wishes and, uh, just support her any way you can.